For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Well, hello again. I'm Jim Gearhart. Bob Williams, who just got back from fighting a recalcitrant soda machine. Yeah, we, there was a cool down. just <laughs> got here 30 seconds before we went on air here. Yeah. Good morning. It's uh, Halloween. It's it Facebook Halloween, Live. Yeah. And uh, I gave up uh, getting dressed up a couple of years ago. I used to get dressed up when we did the morning show. Yeah, yeah it's great when costumes. We were on but you, sa- you said that last week you were going to come in in a costume. Uh, Is that? Uh, yeah, pretty Who much. I'm uh, mild mannered Bob Williams. <laughs> you know, you know, a traffic reporter in the mornings. But uh, yeah, we had some good uh, costumes uh, a couple of years ago. Oh man, you were great. Years ago. I, I think yeah, I, I when got when we were on television. I was dressed yeah. up as Bob the Builder one year. Mm-hmm. Came in with uh, looking like Bob the Builder. SpongeBob. SpongeBob was my favorite one. It took me about a week to put that thing together. Had a big old box, <laughs> and and the the one I really liked was the milk carton, um, the one on one point five milk oh, carton. Oh yeah, yeah. So I got dressed up as one of those milk cartons, and it said expires on 101.5. And you were going, what does that mean? I'm going, no, it's 10. Get it? 101.5 expires 10.15? So uh, it was pretty fun. I I run into people uh, occasionally who still remember this. We were on television for, what, seven years? Yes, on CN8. In the morning. Comcast Network. Comcast Network. I don't think they have a that anymore do they i don't have comcast so i don't know uh, but um yeah, i, I sure wanted to exist i wanted to jump into something i think is pretty serious it could be useful to a lot of people i had mentioned last week uh, that my oh your subaru my subaru my my forester had had died and what what happened with it well here and i found out what was wrong with it it this it died it's i guess you could I'm going to compare it with a mule that worked itself to death. Mm. But the car was in, in uh, this is a 2003, it had about 150,000 miles on it. Should have gotten at least 200,000 more miles. The engine was perfect, but what happened was the undercarriage had pretty much been corroded and rotted out. And I had the experience of, I was on my way here, thank goodness. And something felt funny with the brakes, so I turned around a couple of blocks from home, came back, put on the brakes before I got in the driveway, it just hit the floor. Oh, they just And because apart. all of the brake fluid had just fallen out right there. Thank God it didn't happen on the road. Because I guess but, that's, yeah. But the point is that the underside of the car is terribly corroded. This is a car that could last a lot more. And I'm told by the service manager of a dealer I trust very much, this is happening because, as he put it, the chemicals they're putting on the roads now mm-hmm. in the bad weather are, are ruining the undercarriage of a car. So I would, it just never occurred to me because here was a car for all full-time four-wheel drive. Right. Perfect. So I mostly used it in bad weather. Mm-hmm. And so it was collecting all of these chemicals. And of course, 
uh, even if you're on a road where they may be running off, you're going to hit puddles and it all splashes under there. And unless you flush it out, you might have the same problem. Yeah. Which, yeah, if you wanted to have it fixed, is hugely expensive because there's, there's exhaust systems, there's catalytic converter covers, yeah. there's all kind of stuff in addition to your your lines, your hydraulic lines. Now, do you, like. when you go, you, do you go to car wash with that vehicle? No. You see, I, I do, just... Do you ever, so you never did the undercarriage... I uh, wash it do, myself every now and again. No, because it didn't occur to me. It just never occurred to me. Because they offer that... I, I hope you're way ahead of me, and you either go to a car wash, or I guess you could get under there with the a hose. Under, the under, I think the undercarriage chemical uh, decalcification... Do you do that every I time do you're it driving every, bad no, weather? Not every time, but... but yeah, you know, in the bad weather, yes, I, yeah. I I have the undercarriage. I pay the extra couple of bucks to do that. But uh, yeah, and also now since you have several vehicles, do you drive that vehicle on a regular basis? No, because that's another that, thing. That, oh, Cause absolutely. Because I, I I've learned that because I used to have uh, my behemoth, my uh, Yukon, my suburban. I've had several of those, but that's been a separate ve mm. a, a third vehicle for. You know, just carting things around. I don't drive it every day, mm -hmm. and I had similar problems where the the undercarriage just rust out because it, I yeah. wasn't running it every day. I go through brake lines on a regular basis, and and it gets very dangerous because those brake lines go just like it went on you. Yeah, and, and I noticed uh, what I had noticed lines, before the under thing. the under the rear door the uh, the the metal. Yes. It was it was like what uh, rice paper or something, yeah. just very very mm -hmm. thin, brittle. You could stick your finger right yeah. through. And oh, and, so, an and another thing, where, where do you store your vehicle? Do you store it? Were you storing it in a driveway? It was stored in, in the yard next to my tool shed. Okay, but it, was it on pavement? No, because that's that's another thing. Uh, Oh, occasionally. Yeah, because yeah. if you're oh, if you're on oh, yeah. dirt, that's where a lot of moisture See, comes up. I learned the that. hard way. I had a Porsche Boxster. Right. That I kept covered, and it was on gravel. You know, nevertheless, it was killed by mice. Mm. So I have great luck with these cars. <laughs> and wow. somehow, uh, uh, I took it to the shop when I was having. You drive along, and all of a sudden, it would stop, and all the lights would start flashing around. And they uh, they could not find what was wrong with it. They found a family of mice nested somewhere <laughs> near a wiring harness. <laughs> Well, anyway, I didn't come here to complain about my, my luck with cars, but I thought it is kind of interesting. Uh, there were, we're about five days from the election. Five days from the and election. We just want to put it out there at the top of the show here that uh, we're going to take some more uh, comments from candidates that are running for office, either through the assembly mm -hmm. or through the local platforms. Uh, mm -hmm. And you had mentioned this morning, and we talked about it on the air with uh, Jeff and Michelle, who were in for Bill this morning, that uh, you're looking here from candidates who are going to lower our property taxes, or at least say that they are, as part of their uh, platform for election. In New Jersey, that is knee-jerk stuff. Every politician is going to lower your property taxes. Of course, none of them ever has or other will. Oh, oh, something else I had mentioned to you that uh, I don't know about Elizabeth Warren, the presidential right. candidate who claimed that she was of uh, what Native American uh -huh. descent, right. which is somewhat uh, questionable right now. I don't know about her, but I have a feeling if they check on this, run an ancestry check on Governor Murphy, yeah. you might very well find out that he does have some uh, Native American genes, no, because sorry. I notice because I notice he frequently speaks in forked tongues, <laughs> which is something that they they did. Uh, if you were to believe back, uh, Black Elk and the other oh, Apaches, which I that could very well be. Well, but but here now here's I saw a commercial. Now I don't see that much television really, of of the local kind. If I want to see a show, I tape it. 
Right. And then I can play it back later because the commercials are cut out. Mm -hmm. Smart I can, thing. I can go through them or I can see it on, on Netflix. A lot of people do that. But some of these networks are Month. making you stay through the commercials. Uh, some of them. Not, not the ones that you're watching. But well, even if you're watching it on demand, you'll have to sit through the same amount of commercials because that's how these advertisers are making their money. Okay. Well, I, I don't know who paid for this. That was the thought, too. Did I help pay for it? taxpayers? This is the governor. And he's doing his miscongeniality yeah. impersonation, being Mr. Nice Guy. And he's telling about these wondrous things that he's done in his uh, couple of years yeah. in office. And one of them was, I don't remember the others, it was the usual horse pucky uh, that politicians do. And I don't blame him for that. That simply goes with the job. But he said that he had lowered property taxes. Now, one problem when I saw that when he said that, at that time, I had in my pocket my check for my quarterly property tax, mm. which went up a couple hundred dollars. Now, how can he stand there and blatantly claim that he lowered property taxes? Were your property taxes lowered significantly? Mine, no, no, mine went up about 10%. Let's see the hands of everybody here who's, there's no hands, uh, <laughs> as, you, as you might expect. This, this is the, one of the craziest things that the property taxes are highest in the country, yeah. obviously confiscatory, extremely unfair, especially to people on fixed incomes who made the huge mistake of playing the game and being frugal and working hard and buying a home. Right. Then later, when you don't have that income coming in, the state really socks it to you. Right. Uh, but nobody will do anything about it. I don't know why. Even the people, the victims, seem disinclined to do anything about it. So anyway, I, I, uh, I, if there ever was a forked tongue job, <laughs> uh, the, he's I, got it. The gov. He's got it. Yeah. So if anybody's out there, any candidates running, uh, send us your messages. Your give us your elevator pitch. Like if you're going up in an elevator, give us your 10-second pitch. Put it in a bullet point so Dan can write it on the screen for everybody to see. Um, tell us the good things about your platform, how you're going to lower our property taxes, what you're going to do, whether you're running for the uh, state level or local level. Just tell us, and it should come from your Facebook page or your, or your ca campaign Facebook page. And no bad-mouthing the other guy. All right. So th is now this right? election is next. It's a week from last Tuesday. Yeah, it's five days. Five days. And so the state is has invited you to an election. Yeah. Uh, did you RSVP? Will you? Are you going to show up? I've looked at. I have my sample uh, ballot here. Yeah, I just got mine yesterday. This look at it. is, as I told you earlier, this is about as exciting <laughs> as, as a wet blintz. As a wet blintz. And you can imagine how yeah. exciting a wet blintz is. You I only look, want the dry kind. I look for example. It says local school district. Yeah. Now they have two people listed in the column, only two. And it says you must vote for two. <laughs> so what's the point? Give them the damn job. Yep. <laughs> Don't even put it on there. Yeah. But here's All these here's uncontested elections. The rest of these are uh, legislative right. offices. But they have a public question. Did you have this, this public question? I have not looked at it, but I'm sure oh, I did. Okay, now here, here's the thing. People, uh, if you've ever wondered, whatever happened to Professor Erwin Corey, who was, remember the, the comedian who talked gibberish? Mm, Made right. no sense The gibberish whatever. guy, yes. Erwin Corey is back now, and I'm, I'm sure because I think he wrote this public question. If this ain't gibberish, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. uh, Bob, or, or Dan, have you read that? Dan Alexander? Yes. You did read it? Uh, I, yes, I read it, but I would want to look up something so I know what I'm talking about. 
Well, this I would like to know what, I'm, what they're talking about, too, and I'm supposed to vote yes or no. So the question, has, the question well, is about a paragraph, and the interpretive statement is about like, it, like uh, three paragraphs. You've got to watch. You've got to watch these public questions. Generally, people vote yes anyway. It's a knee-jerk thing. But sometimes they are worded so that yes means no and no means yes. <laughs> it's all legalese um, in there. I, yeah. I, this leads to an interesting bit of uh, uh, deja vu, the little ch political chicanery, uh, chicanery from years ago. Uh, essentially, as I understand this, and I'm, I'm, I'm winging it, they want to know, want your approval, our approval, to, uh, uh, to uh, amend the Constitution to allow veterans to receive the value of the veterans' property tax deduction if they reside in a continuing care retirement community. Uh, the deduction shall be provided to the care community which shall pass the value of the deduction to the eligible veteran who lives there. Then it goes into an explanation that's just totally wild, goes off every direction. Essentially, if you look at that, there's a $250 uh, property tax deduction for veterans. Yeah. Now, if you, what are you paying property taxes on if you're living in the, in the nursing home? Uh, I don't know. Nothing. Do you still own property at home? I, I have. Well, have you already been permanently moved to let's the say, uh, retirement? Let's say that you do. Yeah. Then the state would give that amount of money that you would have gotten, $250, to the management of the nursing home. Oh, okay. I understand. For what purpose? Yeah, it seems like it's just like little... And i tell you why I'm suspicious of this, and I don't know. Maybe there's some good intent here. Maybe it would actually accomplish something. Uh, you go back to the Florio administration, which we remember well. Many people wouldn't. It was a long time ago. Two of the governor's top aides, I think one was his chief of staff and one was uh, the commissioner of the Department of Health. I, don't hold me to this exactly. Had become involved in a process of buying up licenses for nursing homes. Mm -hmm. I did not realize this, but they're hugely expensive, and it's like buy a liquor license. Mm -hmm. Now, they would buy up the license, and then they would have that. I don't know how they did it, whether they leveraged it or whether they somehow or never put out the money, but somehow how this thing worked. You could Now, they're not going to open one, but you had to buy it from them. Buy it back from them. You they're had like to buy a, it back from like them. Like a property a company, broker. A company, yeah, yeah, yeah like brokering and property. And the thing is that they were allowed somehow to corner the market. Mm. And so nobody else had these available. So if you had or uh, I, I, maybe a chain or something, you wanted to open such a care facility, you had to buy it from them at a tidy profit. Yeah. So I'm a little leery of how this goes anyway. I mean, and, and does, does, it, does it seem like it's of a, of a category that would warrant a... A public question? Won't you think that that could uh, yeah, have been? Yeah. Couldn't that have been approved uh, through the legislature okay. process, uh, like a bill or something like that? Why do we have to vote on that? Dan Alexander, uh, you, uh, our certainly right arm here when it comes to reason or sense, is going to get some information on just what that means. But if you just look at the service of it, they are supposed to give. If you're entitled, if you're in a nursing home, and you are entitled to a $250 property tax refund, or rebate, or re yeah. refund, or that it's going reduction, to go, it's going to go to the management. Of it the will be handed to the management of that. Now I don't know how many people would be involved in this, how much money's coming in, but there's nothing in here that says how they have to spend it. Correct. 
Do they is keep it going to go directly to the to the to the patient? I don't know. Is that yeah. like a little slush fund for the patient to buy something? It doesn't say. Or this is supposed to somehow help them enhance the care. How? I okay. It's only well, anyway. but that probably adds up with the thousands of people under the care of the state or the yeah. nursing homes, right? Okay. Barbara says my city has zero tax increases. Uh, for 2020, but Union County takes their pint of blood. Um, well, you see, <laughs> the the boast is that they say if you call these the political people out on reducing property taxes, their things. Well, well, we 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 they're they're not going up as bad as they did. Yeah, we've slowed down. That that's not what we want. I want it done away with, except for the local taxes. Man. And if you have to throw in a library tax in a fire district, and oh, Joe says, what's it say on Jim's hat? Uh, it says grip. It, it says grip. Can you see that? Get rid of incumbent politicians, I Joe. I knew that. Get rid of incumbent politicians. I know that. Now's your chance. Five you know, days away. I, I was sitting here one day. I hadn't thought of it. I was wearing that on the air. Now Governor Corzine was, you know, here talking to Governor Corzine, and he kept looking up at the hat. And he didn't know what the we were talking. And, and he asked was? me a couple of times what it's. I didn't have the gall. <laughs> well, know, that, uh, mean, that uh, means uh, you, uh, Governor. Uh, uh, no, I'll tell you later. <laughs> but it looked like it. Uh, you know, it, it certainly worked. Yeah. Not on him. So uh, the uh, just so many things here. The the public question you had mentioned. Uh, interesting thing politically and I had not paid that much attention to it but Congressman Jeff Andrew from South Jersey who is a newly erect, uh, elected yeah. a newly elected uh, member of the House of Representatives he became a congressman from he was a the state, 8th district or whatever yeah, from Atlanta County or something like that he was yeah. a he was a state uh, senator assemblyman for, for or assemblyman or senator yeah. for a while and then with he, a good record right then he moved up yeah. to the now, congressional he's a seat. democrat right he just went to Washington and he has stated that he will not support the Democratic congressional move for impeachment of the mm -hmm. president. Yeah. And so you have to wonder why. Uh, and my question is, politicians do not do things generally because they have a very strong principle. Right. As Ambrose Bierce again, I'll quote, said, politics is self-interest masquerading. Right as principal right and since i texted you uh, dan and i were chatting that uh, you know it could be that van drew is not in favor of impeaching the president right now because of the district that he represents which has always yeah. been conservative uh, conservative district. republican didn't he replace a republican in that seat yeah Sorry. frank lobiondo yeah, frank lobiondo longtime republican and maybe he doesn't want to upset uh, his his base well it has to be it would be a very practical reason because he's because, up for election again uh, uh, next year right? so you 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 the first First thing you say is that courage, or does he have a political death wish? Right. Because my understanding is in Congress now, now the Senate and the House of Representatives, uh, the members have been told by the leadership of the Democrats if you do not support any Democratic opposition to the president, or if you come out and uh, for uh, any reason. If you're not with support, us, if you're not against it, uh, what vehemently? Right. If you could, especially if you would support something the president does, you get no money from the party in your next campaign. Right. Now he probably doesn't need that money. Maybe I don't know what this exactly means. Except he is. Uh, he's certainly making news for standing up for whatever he's standing up for, or why he's standing up for it. Doug says. Douglas says. I remember my history teacher in the early '60s. 
asked the class what politician meant. And the hands went up, and everybody, the answers were thief, liar, scoundrel, <laughs> backstabber, egotistic. It has not changed in the last 60 years. I didn't think it went back that far. I, you know, just, just things that pop into your head. Kurt Vonnegut, the great writer, uh, at the beginning of most of his novels, he'd have something, uh, as if somebody said, what advice would you pass on if you had to give advice to people or something for them to understand? What would it be? In one of his early novels, I think it was called Mother Night. Uh, you can check me on that if you're a Vonnegut. Is that right? Okay. They said, what would you like to pass on? And he said, I'd say, make love every chance you get. Hmm. And I thought that was, that's wonderful. Yeah. Then later, in Breakfast of Champions, he wrote the same question was asked. He said the advice he would give, the government is not your friend. I saw that. I got upset. How can anybody say that? This would have been in the what, 70s, 60s, or 70s or something when the book came out. But uh, I think we've all learned that uh, that's the way it's played. Yeah. Patty, I, I just wanted to mention, if we are looking over what would be to your right, I guess, uh, not trying to be disrespectful, not looking at, at you, the viewer, but we have a big screen over here, and the messages are all on the screen. Patty says, most politicians are corrupt. It's a matter if they help the middle class while they help themselves. <laughs> if the middle class can hang on to the coattails, I yeah. guess. Or they're, and, uh, well, it's the way the system is. I, have, I, I think very good people often will get into politics. They morph into members of the system. It's almost like, you know, in some science fiction, you go through this gelatinous silver cloud into the wormhole or something. And they get into an entirely different culture. And the culture, I think, breeds that. Number one is, in order to keep the job, if you like it, you have to have a ton of money. And the money is not coming from people like us who think you're doing a wonderful job. Here's money. Right. Uh, this is coming from special interest. Only those sources that want something from you. So the pressures are very, very high. Then, being human beings, you look around and you see how you can play this system. Playing the system yeah. is what it's uh, what politics 101. Mm. And you get you play your cards right. You can make one heck of a good living on a relatively small job. Uh, there are state uh, one state senator had 18 account, 16 accounts in the pension system. <laughs> you can imagine how that added up. And you'll notice that in New Jersey, the uh, political offices, Senate and legislature, are part-time jobs. So you do have other jobs, and you could make the argument, well, a man can't live on this, so they come up with all of these ruses. But essentially, it is self-serving. The number one item on any politician's job is his own career. When a matter comes up, I do not think many of them say, although they might at one time have said, What's good for the people here? What's good for the people? No, it's what does this do for my career? The politician's imagination only extends to the next election. Right. And this is the thing. And his argument is, well, I can't do all these wonderful things for people if I'm not elected. Yeah. And so it just goes round and round. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see because if uh, Jeff Van Drew, a, a elected the Democratic congressman, from, from New Jersey, yeah. Jersey, from a district that is normally conservative, then he certainly has some loyalties there. 
and uh, what his yeah. motive is, I do not know. Well, it could very well be like he's, that. Well, uh, he, he's he's up for election next year too. Yeah, and well, he could be on his way out. But uh, but perhaps let's give him credit. Maybe he is a person of principle, yeah. and he's saying this process is absurd. It is destructive. It is absurd, and it's only a smokescreen to keep this to milk to keep churning yeah. this business. So it goes on and on and on. And there will be no real debate on issues in which the Democrats could very well not be able to compete right. when you consider some of the pluses of this administration. So that, that we'll see. I had a uh, brush this morning with a health care system. And I have harangued about what's happened with it. Uh, and... It is just so symptomatic of what's going on. I know this is, this is a personal thing, but I, I think it's universal. I know you've had some problems with it, too. I, uh, last night, tell you what happened. Last night, or yesterday afternoon, I started getting an itch on my side. Scratch, scratch, scratch. I finally took a look, and it was a big, kind of a red patch. And I looked carefully, and I said, oh, boy, i got a flea bite because we have animals or something of the sort. Well, there was no source of anything like that. And so, okay, so I put something on it, some uh, gold bondage powder or what have you. And all of a sudden, they started breaking out in other places. Mm. And it itched like the dickens. So I would get them, and suddenly it was on the other side. It was on my back, going down the arms. Uh, Obviously, violently red. Sounds like an allergic, allergic reaction to something, that, right? That's what it sounds like Food? to something, but I, I couldn't think of anything. But So the point is, I had a heck of a time trying to sleep last night because I was itching all over and I probably put so much gold bond itch powder on, I sort of slid out of bed, you know, <laughs> like a lubricant, I suppose. But uh, anyway, the, and it seemed to ease up. It eased up except on my right arm. Mm. And that, that was ferocious itch all night. So this morning I got up early, and all of a sudden, it, like everything was coming back again. Oh, wow. Now, it should be fairly simple for somebody who knows something about this to say, here's what it is. Maybe a detergent? I Well, again, we're speculating, yeah. and I speculated, and can't find anything. But the point is, I decided I was going to call my doctor, whom I've had for 25 years, who was close to the station here, and I knew I was coming up today, and to see you, well, and I drop over after we get through here, take a look, and uh, tell me what's wrong. So I call, and of course, he is now in a system. And so you don't just call the doctor's office and the nice people who worked for him for years know you. You have to go through completely impersonal voicemail situations. So he's not he's not his own boss. He's an employee of somebody else. You now. see, I'm told I didn't know that. I'm told that's the way it is. I'm told yeah. when the doctors enter these systems, yes, that they actually sell the business to them. Yes, they do. And this is why an orthopedic surgeon told me one time, I've, I've talked about this before, I have what's called Viking disease, which is something where you're, a ten, it's not bad, a tendency for your, your fingers to kind of, like trigger finger, I yeah. think they call it sometimes. And the uh, orthopedic specialist in, in hands who worked on that, whom I got to know, uh, went back one time, I took somebody else, it wasn't for me, I took a friend, so he made an appointment, he came in and he was shaking his head, and, he, and now this is a respected specialist in a system. And he said, my job is not caring for patients' health anymore, it's creating volume. Mm, and yeah. it, it, this is what happens. So I call, I finally get through, I ask if I could speak to this very nice lady who's been sort of running the office for a number of years. 
Well, no, she cannot come to the phone just now. What did you, you know? What's your what's your business? What did you want? This is a person. I don't know. I don't think this person was at the office. I think this was some, you know, some center somewhere. Yeah, because you don't know I, where I don't know. you don't know where you're in. I don't know. And I told him the situation. I said I'm going to be in the area. I'd like to come by for you know a couple of minutes. Have the doctor or somebody in the office. I mean, probably even you know the cleaning lady could look at me and see something that's not right here, uh, and tell me what it is. And it won't be but a second. Oh, but but you you'll have to make an appointment uh, because we have to schedule this as as a session or something. So well, I don't need a session. I had one two weeks ago with the doctor, the physical and everything. I just want somebody to take a look, tell me what it is, and tell me what I can put on it, what I do. Tell me, give me an idea. Well, we can't do that. Said, oh, well, I'll tell you what. I could work you in at 2.30 this afternoon, maybe, for an appointment with Dr. Something else. I said, well, I never heard that name before. Do I have the right place? I mean, well, he just—he was just sent here by the system. <laughs> so, and, and I go through oh, yeah, that. Sure. And then she said, and I said, oh, hell, I guess I'll do something, hang out and go over. Oh, oh, I can't do that because somebody else got that. How about next Tuesday? What? You know, I don't know. I may be totally engulfed by this. Yeah. It may be the blob. You, know. you may end up having to go to an emergency room. If well, that, that's that that's what I said. She said, well, well you, uh, I, I said, well, I, I guess I'd probably better go to an emergency board. She said, well, yes, okay, that's the thing to do. Like, that's the end of it. And I, and I said, is this the way business is done now? This man has been my doctor 20 years. I don't get to see him when I'm sick? Well, that's not how it works now. You And, and I... Whew, yeah, so I I didn't take a deep breath and tell them where to stick their systems, which I wanted to do. But this is what's going on, and this is terrible. Now, for the doctor's point of view, if I may continue here from the yeah. from the doctor's point of view, I can understand why he may engage himself in one of these systems. Oh, first of all, the reason that they have to set it up as an appointment, I'm sure, is they make more money that way. Of course they do. They're not going to dispense free info. They put it down as a total exam and on everything. On the phone, they're not going to just let you come in and look at you in the yeah. lobby and say, put some salve on it put or some, something. Yeah, here, go, go to the pharmacy yeah. and get some they're of this. They're not going to do around. that. They lose a $250, $300 yeah, they, they, office They want visit. the fee. Yeah. But anyway, this now the doctors, I used to go to a doctor. The doctor was there. He was your doctor, and he had maybe one person working with him. Yeah. He would be trained or maybe not, but a nurse or a person. And that was it. Now the doctor has to have a small army of support people right, because of, of the messed up system and all the billing and the complexity of it. Now, so he has to have certainly a higher income. The other thing is that he gives me the old deja vu in New Jersey thing is that he's probably paying a fortune in malpractice insurance because of that is so lucrative to the, the legal community. So joining a system probably uh, offsets some of his costs, I, joining well, uh, a team. Well, he may Maybe. have a guarantee from the system. At least he's going to beat. <laughs> but there again, on the other side of that coin is that the system puts un, uh, unrealistic demands on the physicians. Yes. And it really cuts them. I've heard a couple of physicians having uh, to take pay cuts through the, syst mm -hmm. through the systems once they're in if they're not generating enough income mm -hmm. they're gonna say we're gonna cut your salary X percent because you're not bringing in oh I'm sure the traffic quotas yeah well we, that's the volume that we thought that, you were that, going to that he talked doing. about yeah. and you notice also they make appointments now your appointment is not like on the hour or the half hour it's like it's for 110, 6, 110 or 20 
6.30, so they're figuring about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I think, with my cardiologist. And like, I, I, went to. And like I said, and and I told you this story, oh, tell that, like a tell year it. and a half ago, I, uh, had, I went to a specialist, and it was one of my first visits, and we're talking about a couple of subjects, and I asked too many questions. I went past my my allotted time, and I got double billed. I got du I got billed for two appointment cycles you because I asked too many questions. But anyway, going back, I mentioned the high cost of the malpractice insurance. Go back to the 90s. There was a move afoot in the medical community to encourage by the legislative community to pass legislation that would cap the uh, property tax damage awards. Yeah. Now, and the medical community was all for that, of course, because, and the insurance community. But against that, of course, was the Trial Lawyers Association and other people who profited from the, the, uh, the, the, the situation. Now, in the process of it, there was a legislative election coming up, and we got involved in that. I was working with some doctors on that, and we talked a lot about it on the air. We had interviews on the air with them. And the doctors had found out that the way to get something in New Jersey is to lay money on the legislators, campaign contributions. So getting good advice, not from me, but getting good advice from uh, people who, close to the, in fact, some people in the, the, uh, the legislative community, they raised a war fund. Right. And I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, it came up to a whole lot of hundreds of thousands of dollars. They laid that on legislative campaigns because, well, this is, you know, if you want legislation, this is what you do. And so they did that. They raised, the doctors raised their war chest in addition to spending some money on some advertising, pleading their case. And uh, they went to the polls expecting that after the election, the people that they had helped get elected would look favorably upon their, their cause. Yeah. Well, the people who looked favorably upon their cause did not turn their backs on them completely. Now, the reason why, the medical community had raised a war chest they gave one time, one election. Trial Lawyers Association had a war chest, as big, if not bigger. They gave it, but the, the, the elected officials say, the lawyers will do that every election. Right. Met doctors only going to do it once. Yeah. <laughs> so, so guess who we're so, going to yeah, side with? Go with yeah. But uh, everything is just so messed up. I want to get one more thing here, uh, Dan Alexander. Yeah. It's going to help us with this. Uh, because we talked about this once before. Dan, uh, the, the tuna, what is it, tuna shaming? Lunch shaming. Lunch shaming. And the lunch shaming quickly was that some school districts, one Cherry Hill notably and some others, had decided that any student whose parents had not kicked in the money for the lunch after running up a debt of so much, which wasn't really very much, the child would not get the regular lunch. He would get a tuna sandwich. Right. Now, when I first heard that, Dan, I, my feeling was, hey, man, this is great for nutrition. I love those uh, yeah, school tuna boy. sandwiches. You know, if I pay for it, I'm good yeah. heavens. Why not? But apparently kids, as they do nowadays, would shame, as it's known, kids for eating a tuna sandwich. If you were eating a tuna sandwich, that meant what, Dan? Well, it got to, it got to the point where uh, the kids would know uh, what someone eating a tuna fish sandwich meant. Yeah. So that's where the shaming part is. It meant your parents were in arrears. Right. Yeah. Apparently at the lunches now, it's like going to a restaurant to have lunch at school. And they all have <laughs> a big selection of whatever they want. And you are with your tuna sandwich. Therefore, there must be something wrong. So Because one of the parents has said that the kid in Cherry Hill has said the kids all know what tuna sandwich means. Like, no. oh, no, stay away from the buffet, wow. you. 
Here's your tuna sandwich. Now, now the next thing, the, the, the current thing is that I believe in Pennsylvania some good people offered to pay the school for that and the school boards turned it down. They would not let somebody else pay for the arrears of those parents, which is like $25 or something? I mean, it was, it was ridiculously... It was like 20 or $25 to pay yeah. I mean, that's a week's worth. If you're behind a week, they're, they're going to cut your kid off. Anyway, that's another matter. But in New Jersey, I think one district you were telling me has refused having outside help, but... Again, back to Cherry Hill. But they, somebody else did. What happened there is that uh, a former uh, owner of a bunch of ShopRite supermarkets offered to take care of the bill for the uh, Cherry Hill's uh, lunches that were in the uh -huh. And the school, the school board said, no, thank you. It's not going to solve the root problem of what's going on. Because it was really, they, they saw it as more of a temporary fix uh -huh. than a permanent solution to the problem. Oh, I, th I thought somebody had... Well, that's the, what you're thinking of is uh, Aaron, Aaron Vogler's story on our yeah. website. Um, the Liquid Church came forward. They have a couple of uh, churches around uh, North The South Liquid Church? Liquid Name church. of a new... Uh, non-denominational... Non-denominational uh, uh, worship non group. Non-denominational Christian church yep. launched in 2007 that is, quote, Bible-based and Christ-centered. Yeah. And they have locations in uh, Essex, Middlesex, Monmouth, Morris... They'll, they'll, they'll rent schools or different buildings for their worship services. Right. Oh, okay. So, anyway, so, so it's an itinerant, moving target for the anti-church people, I guess. It's, it's, it's it, I guess it's, it, it's set in some areas, but they rent buildings. They don't oh, okay. have like a, like right. a traditional church or. So, so uh, uh, our Aaron spoke to uh, the, uh, the Essex County pastor Jim Gottschall, and they did a special collection of the church. And what they wound up doing was donating thousands of dollars oh. to several districts, about fifteen hundred families in Roselle, Sayreville. Uh, Somerville, Nutley, and Parsippany, they donated, uh, they took care of their lunch bills. Well, that's nice. Yeah. And, and the school... They, don't, they the, don't make a big deal about it. The schools did accept it. Yes. That's great. That's good. That's great. Yeah. The, school, the, the church, the pastor said they didn't want a lot of attention. They didn't do it for the attention. Mm -hmm. They did it just because they thought mm -hmm. it was the right thing to do. So they, yeah, great. The, Nutley, their donation to Nutley was the first to be reported, and then after Aaron talked to them, you know, somebody could start a GoFundMe, and in about three hours, they'd have enough money to pay off all of this. Yeah. But now, I, one thing I want to do on that subject is to tell children to give this some thought, or the parents of children who have been eating tuna sandwiches. Now, you've been pretty, if you wanted lunch, if you're in that category, you're pretty much forced to eat a tuna sandwich, right, if you're hungry. Yeah. That's, that's the, if you want a school, if you don't. If, if lunch, you wanted the school lunch, that's what you get. and let's say some of these people had been arrears because perhaps they were having some financial difficulties, trying to keep their head up through the taxes and the like expenses, and so the child of the child wanted to eat ate a tuna sandwich. Now, for any kid who did that during this thing and is still doing it, I guess uh, you may have you may have a good thing come out of that. Although it may have been embarrassing at the time, and it's tough <laughs> being uh, bullied or shamed. Well, shamed, I guess, the same thing. But the tuna. Now, I know a person who practically lived on tuna sandwiches. This is true, not forked tongue. I'm not an elected official. <laughs> I don't have to do it that way. I once knew a person, good person, nice person, who but lived almost on tuna sandwiches yeah and she would have tuna sandwiches on a on a bagel for breakfast 
and tuna sandwich at lunch, and then for dinner, more often than not, a big tuna sandwich. Wow. She just loved it. And this went on for a long time. Well, she developed, uh, I think, what is it, neurasthesia? Is that the term they call it when you're, uh, you start getting numbness in your extremities, and especially okay. in the legs and, and the feet? There's certain numbness. And then she went to a doctor, and they couldn't figure anything out in the normal test. And finally, somebody came up with the idea of testing her for heavy metal poisoning. Oh, like mercury. Which, yeah, which seemed like ridiculous. I mean, she wasn't doing anything that mm -hmm. has that in it, if you know of. No, it, it's, it's not you're poisoned by the music, Yeah, which is very possible. Mm -hmm. But I think that can be fatal. I mean, we're talking about something on a lower level than that. But like mercury and too much Mercury especially in tuna. Yeah. Now, she was tested and tested positive hmm. for that. The only possible source was tuna. Now, this was Makes not sense. cheap tuna farm somewhere in Thailand or what have you. This was the good stuff that uh, presumably the albacore or uh, the white, you know, whatever it yeah. was, of, of a very popular brand. Solid white. That tuna. you had nothing, the solid white, nothing to be uh, suspicious about. But she did that. Now, if you have been a person who had was forced to consume tuna sandwiches, it seems to me you could make a legal case that the school has forced you to ingest a toxic subject, a substance. Hmm. Therefore, you can sue the pants off them. <laughs> so think about that now. You talk about uh, taking advantage of something, uh, that, that of a negative, of a, a, a silver right. lining to the, to the dark cloud. Think about that now. Think, uh, you come up with something. <laughs> There's positives in everything. Yeah, you and I'm sure that there there are there are lawyers out there who would jump all over this. I, you know, I shouldn't have said this. But any lawyer heard this, you're going to see this on television now. Have you the, been this law firm? Have you have you eaten too much tuna at school? Have you been forced to eat tuna? Call this at number at the bottom school. of your screen. You know, you One eight hundred tuna now. Huh? Anyone from Law and Order is watching this will see this on a show in six months. Boy, we've done something here. We, all right, I don't think we're going to accomplish any more than I, that. I'm going to go home. I, we're you creating got television shows. We're saving ch children from lives of <laughs> deprivation. You got me in the and mood for a tuna sandwich. Done. I got some home in the refrigerator. I'm going to crack open a can, get a little mayo. better than a big tuna hoagie. Oh, man. And I got some bread at home, too. You it. got me. I, I, I think I know what I'm having for lunch. Thank right. you. So I'm going to go sit in my car and itch for a while and scratch and see and if see I can get, well, I hope you're better, man. Uh, yeah, well, let's see. It's, it's scary, yeah. though. And then next week, we'll be back here next Thursday talking about, do we? is it the death of the two-party system in New Jersey? Is Has another nail been put in the coffin of the Republican Party but after in, this in election? Sense, in a sense, you could almost argue for that the death, the party's dead in New Jersey. And it is on its last legs nationally. Donald mm -hmm. Trump is not a Republican. He is technically, right. but he's certainly... What, but what here you, in New Jersey, it's certainly teetering on the brink of extinction. I mean, if, if, if there ever was sure. an independent, guess, guess who it is. Right. So we'll oh, see. Oh, guy, one more thing. There's always one more thing. Speaking of Donald Trump, didn't mean to get into the national picture. They had the raid that killed al-Baghdadi yeah. that much we were hearing a lot about, the, the commando-type raid. Now, here's what happened immediately after the president announced that they, they had had this raid, this successful clandestine operation. Well, he told the Russians before he told the wham, Congress, wham, wham. He, that's a sign of collusion with Russia. <laughs> Can you imagine you're running a secret operation? You're going to tell anybody in Congress? Not in this that's political... That's not going to... 
atmosphere. That is not going to stay secret nearly as long as it takes them to get on the phone to CNN. Yeah. And, and as far as telling the Russians, the Russians are partners in the airspace. They have their rules worked out. And now everybody tells everybody what they're doing. If you didn't, then all the Russians are, and the Turks and all are going to see with their air force patrolling that area, the no-fly area, they're going to see somebody flying in the no-fly area. Yeah. These helicopters coming in, and they're going to shoot them down. Yeah. So you're going to tell these people that you're going to do this, but to tell the Congress? No. He did the right thing. Before the... I, I, I wouldn't even tell Congress after the raid. <laughs> did you enjoy the video I sent you? After, oh, yes. Tell, uh, me, tell me about that. After uh, the president announced the uh, death of uh, al-Baghdadi, uh -huh. I sent Jim a uh, clip from the old Second City TV program with uh, John Candy and Joe Flaherty uh, on the Farm Report with uh, no. Billy Saul Yorock yeah. and Big Jim McBomb. Yeah, it was Celebrity Blow Up. Celebrity Blow Up, and they were just talking about it, and the clip said, he blowed up. Yep, he blowed up. Blowed up real good. Blowed up real good. He got heat. Yeah. He what was it? What was the other one you blowed said? Blowed himself it, up. It, it was a quiz show. Uh, oh, we can't say the words. It was a, it was a little meme uh, with uh, the know. president uh, playing um, playing Wheel of Fortune, and he's filling in the. Uh, the oh, is it the with blast. a bad word? Okay. Yeah, but it was pretty funny if you I see think it it's on time to leave. Yes, it is. But he blowed up real good. Yep. I noticed Lou Hockman, the producer right, here, is he's shaking his he's head going, we should have quit five minutes ago. Hey, listen, thank you very, very much. Right, enjoyed too. sitting here chatting with you and hearing, you know, back from your remarks about it. I think the only thing we can say that we got 100% positive response to and that everybody agreed is that uh, politicians <laughs> are not, not the most trustworthy people we have. <laughs> yeah. Think of that. Thanks. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NK1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.